Good morning. It is so great to be able to worship with a family that loves to be together, right? I love the joy that's in this place. Uh, we're able to laugh together. We can you know, worship together. So thanks for being a part of that, just to sit here and kind of listen to the buzz and, and Bobby and the LaFays, thanks, and, and, and Daryl and the song leaders for, for taking us where we need to go during worship. And, uh, and thank all of you for doing it with great joy. Uh, not everywhere has that. So I'm blessed to be here, and I hope you feel blessed to be here as well. Heard about two old friends who hadn't seen each other in quite some time, and they run into each other on the street, and the one guy says to his friend, wow, you look fantastic. You, you've dropped a lot of weight. Now, how did you do that? Because I'm trying to lose some weight myself. And his friend said, I found this great strategy for not eating as much. The guy says, well, how, what do you do? What, what's the strategy? He goes, well, every night around dinner time, before I eat, I take off all my clothes and I eat in front of a mirror. And his friend said, and that helps you eat less? He said, it sure does. The restaurant always kicks me out long before I get full. <laughs> you know, eating less, trying to um, live a healthy lifestyle, exercising more, we all agree that's a good thing, right? And we all agree that we need to do that, and we need to be doing more of that. You know, we need to eat right. And we all have started a diet only to fail, right? We, we all have done that. You know, when I go on a diet, my, my problem isn't watching what I eat, it's watching what you eat. That's what I want. I want you know, what everybody else is eating, but I try not to do that, you know. You know like a, a month ago, I, I was choking on a carrot, and as I'm trying to clear my throat and catch my breath, I was thinking the whole time, a donut would not do this to me. <laughs> but starting something is easy. Staying with something. That's different. Continuing is hard. Getting motivated, get motivating, motivating people, getting people motivated, that's a great challenge. Keeping people motivated is even a greater challenge. And it's the greater challenge of keeping people motivated that sort of dominates the theme of the second half of the book of Joshua. We are still in our sermon series on the book of Joshua. We're going to wrap it up next week, actually. But the second half of the book of Joshua deals a lot with how does Joshua, how does he keep these people motivated? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, the first half we, we've already looked at, uh, the story of the Israelites beginning to possess the land, the courage to take the land and possess it, inhabit it. The second half is going to be a look at the courage that's needed to keep doing what they started. So let me give you a little bit of context. The very first battle that the Israelites fight in the promised land is in Joshua chapter 6. We talked about that, the, the battle of Jericho. And then last week we talked about that instance where God actually kept the sun shining longer so that Joshua and the Israelites could fight those five kings and their kingdoms. That was chapter 10. At the end of chapter 10, we see the Israelites fighting against the southern part of the, the, the kingdom in the southern part of Canaan. Chapter 11, they are fighting against the kingdoms in the northern part of Canaan. And by the time you get to the end of chapter 11, for the most part, the Israelites are the dominant force in the land of promise. 
the last verse of chapter 11 says this. So Joshua took the entire land, just as the Lord had directed Moses, and gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. The land was, for the most part, controlled by Israel. And what Israel had accomplished was really pretty stunning. I mean, again, they're a young nation. They'd been slaves for a long time. They had very little, actually none, uh, military experience. And yet they have become now the dominant power in a very important part of the world. Then in chapter 12, you have this long list of all the places that the Israelites went and battled. All the names of the places, all the names of the kings that they went and defeated. It's just a long list of, okay, then they went here and they defeated this person, this, this kingdom. And then they went over here and, and they defeated this land. It's just name after name after name, 31 names in all of where the Israelites have gone and God has allowed them to be successful. So you have the first battle we read about in Joshua chapter 6. And then by the end of chapter 12, they've defeated 31 kings. And you might read that and think, well, it's been pretty quick and it's been pretty easy for the Israelites to accomplish what they have. But it has not been quick and it has not been easy. Just a few verses earlier talks about the fact that Joshua and the Israelites were fighting for a long time. This campaign was a lengthy campaign. I mean, think about it. You take your army and you go wage war against you know, this kingdom and then you've got to deal with subduing that group of people and driving them out of the land. And then you take your army and you go do it all over again in another part of the land. And here's what's happened. Although Israel has conquered and is controlling most of the land, they're tired of fighting. They're just tired. And we get that, right? I mean, we understand that. Even somebody who, who is great at doing something can get worn out can get worn down. And the great challenge then is, how do you keep people motivated? So, interestingly, the very next verse, start of chapter 13, says this. When Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you are very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Even though Israel was in control of most of the land, even though they are now the most powerful people in the land. You read in the second half of the book of this particular tribe going to this particular place, and they don't drive out the Canaanites. Or this particular tribe going to this particular place to claim their inheritance, and they don't dislodge the Canaanites. And I'm sure those tribes were thinking, man, we're tired. We've been fighting for a long time. You know, we've just done this over and over again. You know, I'm tired, boss. Uh, we've had a lot of success. But why don't we just settle for what we have? I mean, why don't we just take what we have now and just, why don't we just make the most of it, right? Make the best of it. And here is Joshua's thoughts on that matter in chapter 18. Joshua asked them, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? Joshua says, yes, we have come a long way. Yes, through God's help, we have had a tremendous amount of success. Yes, we're tired. Yes, some of us are old. 
but we can't stop now. There's still work to be done. There's still battles to be fought. We have to continue fearlessly. Because everyone knows that the enemy of courage is complacency. Or, to put it another way, sometimes the biggest obstacle to a great finish is a good start. You know, those of us uh, who are Rays fans, we got all excited at the beginning of the season, right? They had this historic start, 13-0. and 0. They, they were just, you know, the pitching was lights out. They were hitting the ball all over the park. They were running away with the American League East in April. And then July came around. It wasn't a good month in July. You know, and, and I'm a fan, and I keep thinking, okay, they've got to turn it back on now. They're going to turn it back on. When are they going to turn it back on? And by the way, I think they will. And in fact, I think they have. I'm still picking them to win the World Series. Okay. I do that every spring training, by the way. <laughs> every spring training, I predict that the Rays are going to beat the Pirates in seven games in the World Series. And, and one of these days, one of these days, that's going to happen. And you're all going to go, Tim Stutzman was a genius. So... But my point is this, a good start is nice, but what we all really long for is a great finish. And the truth is, it is hard to sustain the energy and the momentum of a big start. And that's true for baseball teams, and that's true for churches, and that's true for individual Christians. It was true for the Israelites, as you look through the second half of the book of Joshua. Were they going to settle for what, by the grace of God, they had? Or were they going to battle for what, by the grace of God, they could have? This morning, we're going to let Joshua teach us a lesson or two about this idea of continuing fearlessly. And here's one. We need to be grateful for the victories that we've already experienced. Joshua was a big believer in using the memory of past battles to fuel courage for future battles. Last week we talked about that, that time when the sun stood still and, and Joshua defeated those five kingdoms. We didn't talk about the five kings that were leading those five kingdoms. We're told that those five kings were hiding in a cave. And uh, Joshua found out they were hiding in a cave and he had the cave sealed so they wouldn't leave. When he had defeated their armies, he unsealed the cave, had them come out and lay down on the ground. And then we're told in Joshua chapter 10, um, he tells, this is Joshua talking to his commanders, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. He's talking to his commanders, by the way, not the kings. The kings had every reason to be afraid and discouraged. It's, it's not going to end well for them. Uh, but he's telling his commanders, this is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. In other words, we have more battles in our future. I want you to remember what happened here today. I want you to remember the victory that God gave us here today. I want you to remember these kings lying on the ground. I want you to remember that you put your foot here because God wants us to put our feet out there. There's more that God wants us to have. Now you go back and look at chapter 12. 
Uh, chapter 12, again, is just a long list of names and places that Joshua defeated. I put it all on one screen here. We look at that, we read through the book of Joshua, and we just skip the first part of chapter 12, right? That, that means really nothing to me. It's just a bunch of names, a bunch of places. The Israelites didn't skip that list. That was a really important list for the Israelites because that list reminded them of every time God was faithful. Reminded them of every time God delivered them. And it helped them prepare and to be motivated for who's next on the list. Where else is God going to lead us? I'm going to challenge you this morning. You need to think about your own list. You need to sit down today sometime, maybe as a family, maybe as an individual, but you need to sit down and just come up with a list of times and places where God has been faithful in my life. All those times that God has delivered me, delivered my family. All those times that I should be celebrating the, the memory of that. And you know, you, the, those lists that we have, they'll cause you to do one of two things. You might look at your list and say, hmm, that's enough. Or, you might look at your list and say, hmm, what's next? And I don't want to live in the past, and I don't want to always dream about the good old days because they weren't always that good, but I do want to remember all the times in my life that God has been faithful to me. And all the times in my life that I have reason to celebrate what God has done for me and what God has done with me. Because if he's done it before, he'll do it again. So, Joshua knows that even though the, the enemy in, in Canaan has been vanquished, they haven't vanished. Now, we know the same thing, right? A couple months ago, we talked at length about the armor of God. And we talked about the battle that we are all in. We talked about the fact that we have an enemy who is very serious, that enemy being Satan. Theologians will tell you that there is a counterpart to the book of Joshua in the New Testament, and it's the book of Ephesians. They're, they're very similar in a lot of ways. They both talk a lot about warfare, and they both talk a great deal about inheritance. Let me remind you of how Paul begins his letter to the Ephesians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Paul begins the book of Ephesians by saying, our inheritance is overwhelming. God has an inheritance for us that includes every spiritual blessing, and it's all found in Christ. And then he tells us where those blessings in Christ can, can be had in the spiritual realms. Here's how he ends the book. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Sounds like Joshua, right? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against, listen to this, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, wait a minute. 
You started this book, Paul, by saying every blessing of ours is found in Christ in the heavenly realms. Now you're saying our battle is found in the heavenly realms. Which is it? I mean, are our blessings in the heavenly realms or are our battles in the heavenly realms? And Paul would say, right. It's both. Well, how can it be both? Well, it's both because the enemy is always going to be in the place where God wants to give you a blessing. The enemy is always going to challenge your blessings. He's always going to push back. He's always going to fight you for the blessings that God wants you to experience. He's going to fight you for the land that God wants you to possess. We've got to remember, just, just like Joshua, that our mission is going to take a long time. We're running a marathon, not a sprint. Our mission is going to take a long time. How long is it going to take? Till Jesus comes back. That's how long it's going to take. Let me share a picture with you. This is a, a, a picture from a... Uh, uh, the Boston Marathon, a few years ago. It's a man by the name of Michael Melmed. Uh, you might be able to tell there, Michael uh, has some physical limitations. He was born with a condition similar to muscular dystrophy. He ran the Boston Marathon. It took him 20 hours. He crossed the finish line at 5 o'clock in the morning. He was the very last one to finish. Why? Why did he run? In an interview, Michael said that he, he ran in part to honor the Boston Children's Hospital that saved his life when he was a child. But also in the interview, he said, when you run a marathon, you need to know why you're running that marathon. You better have the why figured out because when you get to the last few miles of that marathon, that race is going to demand an answer. The race is going to demand the why are you running? We are running a race. We're running a marathon. We, however, know our why. We have the why. We exist as a church to make and to mature as many disciples as Jesus as possible. Till when? Till he comes back? Or till we pass away? That's our why. So we've got to be faithful to the mission that's before us. There is no ground currently occupied by the enemy that's off limits to the Spirit of God. It's off limits to God's people. And the Spirit of God will never tell the church of God, that's enough. The Spirit of God will never tell the church of God, don't go any further. Don't do any more. Remember Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the good news to every nation. Our mission is clear. As a church, we have to, we have to continue with the mission. Now, I've said this several times before, but Jesus didn't come to this earth to establish a church and then give it a mission. Jesus came with a mission, and he gave the mission the church. That's why we have to fearlessly continue. We can't settle for less than what we've been created to be and what we've been created to do. I'll show you another picture. It's a picture of a whale, killer whale. But that's not just any killer whale. That is Kiko, the killer whale. Kiko is better known, was better known, by the name Willie. 
If you're a child of the 90s, you probably have a soft spot for Willie. He was the star of several movies in that franchise, the Free Willie movies. And the ironic part was Kiko was not free. Kiko had lived his whole life in an aquarium in an amusement park. And after the success of the Free Willy movies, a bunch of influential people got together and said, you know what, we need to free Kiko. And so at a cost of over $20 million, in an effort that lasted over four years, a group of experts got together and said, we are going to train Kiko to be able to live in the wild, to be able to be who he was created to be. And they spent all of this money, they took all of this time training this whale, did most of the training in Norway. When it finally came time to, to free Kiko, they took him to the coast of Iceland and set him free. He immediately swam back to a harbor in Norway looking for people to feed him. He never did bond with other whales. He was afraid to swim under the ice to look for food. And very shortly after being set free, Kiko died. He was too domesticated. He was too tame. He was too afraid to become who he's created to become. Listen, God is not calling you to settle in your journey with Christ. God's calling you to boldly pursue the life that you were created to pursue. It takes courage to follow Jesus. I would argue it takes more courage to keep following Jesus. Because if you think you can walk with Jesus and, and be timid, you're not walking with Jesus. It takes courage to walk with Jesus. It takes courage to live a life of purity. It takes courage to live a life of integrity. It takes courage to, to, to live a life of being a witness for Jesus. It takes courage to sacrifice and to serve. It takes courage to be and to remain faithful. I love what the prophet says in Isaiah chapter 50. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do His will, and I know that I will triumph. We have We have been called to remain fearless. Because God's work cannot continue out here until God's work continues in here. I believe that it will. I believe that there are still a lot of places where we have to set our feet. I believe there's still a lot of opportunities that God is waiting for us to claim. A lot of battles that he is waiting for us to, to, to wage. And I don't want to be a tame, domesticated whale. I want to be a fearless rhino. Here's one last picture. It's a group of rhinos. You know how groups of animals are called different things? You know, a group of cows called a herd, a group of sheep called a flock, a group of lions is called a pride. You know what a, Group of geese, it's called. Anybody know that? A gaggle. Yeah, it's a gaggle of geese. How about a group of vultures? Hungry? No, a committee. I'm not making that up. 
A group of vultures is called a committee. Does anybody know what a, a group of rhinos is called? Crash. Fadia knew. And maybe Portia. Maybe. Okay, okay. Nice. It's called a crash. That is a crash of rhinos. And I'll tell you why it's called a crash. A rhino is this amazing animal. They are huge. They weigh thousands of pounds. And despite their size, they are really fast. A rhino can run 30 miles an hour. And they do it often. That's fast. However, they have terrible eyesight. <laughs> a rhino can only see 30 feet in front of them. But you know what? The rhino doesn't care. Because <laughs> whatever's 31 feet in front of them, better move. <laughs> Listen. That's the church that Jesus Christ established. And the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail against a fearless church. Let's be sure that we're that church. Let's pray. God, the, the race is long. And the race is hard. But God, the race is so good. Would you deliver us from any spirit that would give fear a place in our lives? Deliver us from any spirit that would make timidity normal or even acceptable. God, would you make us fearless? Fearless in our holiness, fearless in our witness, fearless in our hope, because again, Jesus is worth it. We pray it in his powerful name. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and be standing and we'll sing.